Welcome back to the Make It Count podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Meir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. And today we have another small business owner with a lot of accounting and tax questions, I think. And that's Blaze Gregory, good friend of mine. Blaze is the founder and principal engineer of Gregory Consulting and Control. So Blaze, introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, and we'll kind of get into what we're doing today while I've got a different co-host. Sure. Um, as you said, my name is Blaze Gregory. From Louisiana, I've uh, been in Lafayette since about 93. Love being in this area. Uh, graduated from UL, uh, mechanical engineering in 08, and then started my engineering firm at the uh, beginning of 2016 and been going strong. We do a lot of different uh, industrial engineering, mechanical, uh, automation, petroleum, and also some uh, process. Yeah, and you and I were kind of talking beforehand, and this is where the conversation got started, kind of about around so you're obviously a small business owner entrepreneur things are going well for you kind of kind of take us into where you and i got started in this conversation which led to the idea about what we're talking about today sure so you know last year i guess uh, it was a little bit of a down year but we've been growing a lot and so trying to plan for the next year and the upcoming year and the impending i'll say tax uh, <laughs> bill that we think you know that we know right. is gonna, gonna gonna come and um Heard a lot about doing real estate and didn't know if that was something that we can do within the business. Right. Or if it's only personal level and that kind of thing. So Gotcha. And that's yeah. guess what I was asking you. Yeah. So w- the reason why, you know, it's funny, we we were talking about this before and we hadn't even planned to do it this way. We had Blaze would plan to just kinda he'd kinda text me and say, Hey, I want to come see what you guys are doing. Yeah. Watch the podcast, so to speak. And then we basically Tyler and I were looking and said, Why don't you just why don't you be the co-host and tr- let's try a little bit of a different angle, which is small business owner posing the questions, which everybody's heard Tyler pose all his dumb questions. So we want somebody with some, you know, we're not going to say dumb, uh, with some uh, better questions, I should say. Anyway, fresh, Tyler, fresh questions. Yeah, Tyler's here. He he knows we're just messing with him. You can, yeah, you got that. So when you kind of started talking about that, it got me thinking too about what I'm seeing a lot on LinkedIn, which is and other different social media platforms where people really are starting to give in my world a lot of advice online. And so real estate's kind of one of those hot areas. You got a lot of bad information, you got a lot of really good information. So what I wanted to do is from that question just kind of paint the picture about what you can legitimately do with real estate specifically from the standpoint of a small business owner, which is a very common strategy, small business owner operator right. with real estate as, you know, looking for owner occupied real estate. So I'll kind of start there. I'll give some of the parameters, kind of some things you can do, and I'm sure you'll have some questions. So what I see a lot of and what's what can be done, which is a really nice tool is, and very common strategy. So you own your business. Let's just say most people are formed as an LLC. And if you take that a step further, most people that are an LLC, especially in a business like yours, are an S corporation. Correct. That's their operating company. That, that's how you guys are set up. Yep. Okay. What I would say is if you want to own your own real estate, always, if you got an S-Corp, the cardinal sin is owning your own real estate in an S-Corp. There's reasons for that. The biggest one being if you ever have to take the real estate out, you would essentially have to, like, let's just say the best example of that is if you and your partner split up, trying to figure out how to divvy this thing up. If you ever got to take real estate out of an S-Corp, it's like you sold it. Even, okay. So if you had to say, listen, you're going to take, it's like getting a divorce, right? You take the house and I'll take the 401k. Right. When you split up in, a, in an S-corp and you got to distribute things, it's like you sold them. The S-corp recognizes a gain 
okay. as though you sold that asset. So you have to say, what's the fair market value? You compare that to what you paid for. The difference is a corporate level gain that we would recognize. So we don't want to do that. Okay. So we put it over here generally in an LLC. Um, and so the, the structure I would advise is you form an LLC over here that you don't elect to be an S corporation. Okay. And that entity has the same ownership. And, and this is important, has the same ownership as the operating company to which it's renting. So, okay. so what you would do is, let's just say you've got Gregory Consulting and Controls, and you let's just say you form Gregory Real Estate LLC. That entity will rent to the operating company. Okay. Very common. And then what that does is we can then allow us to do a, a grouping election, and we can kind of talk about that. Um, but that's the general kind of structure where we would – where we would rent from one entity to the other. And that doesn't matter because I have a business partner. Mm -hmm. So does that matter? No. I just set it up the same way. Yeah. So both would own. Yeah. So what I would say is the, the key to unlocking what I'm talking about is both entities mm -hmm. have to have the same ownership. Okay. Because what we're ultimately going for, we're going for where we can create a bunch of tax losses on this. Let's just put some numbers to it. Let's just say sure. the operating company makes a million bucks and we're like, Ooh, we need to figure some stuff out. Well, what most people think, you know, they come to me and they're like, I want to do some things. I want to try some stuff. And they're like, I want to, what if I bought a rental property? And I go, eh, here's the issue with a rental property. If you buy, let's just say you went out on your own and bought a bunch of single family houses. Right. And through depreciation, that creates like a tax loss, at least on paper, right? You're not losing money economically, but on paper right. you are. Well, the problem is once you make over 150,000 bucks, you can't deduct real estate losses. They don't go away. They just get suspended out into the future. Mm. So you haven't created anything. And a lot of times people come to me on the back end with expectations that they have created some tax efficiencies and they're not expecting to pay as much tax. Like in that example where they might have made a million bucks, they go, oh, no, no, but about four rental properties. It's like, yeah, but that's not really how it works because those losses you, you've created over here don't offset the income from your business. And the okay. reason for that is because real estate is inherently passive, right? subject to certain limitations, and we'll get into that. Operating income, your W-2, your businesses are ordinary income. You, those two cannot net. Oh, okay. So the strategy I would say in why you want to own, you want to be owner-occupied in a separate entity with the same ownership structure as the operating company is because you can do what's called a grouping election. So in a grouping election, what it in inherently does is it makes these losses in the real estate company ordinary. Okay. And now they can offset the operating company. Okay. Do those same things, so I guess I'm, I'm hearing things, and you mentioned it too, like depreciation mm -hmm. and, and those other kind of things. Does that still apply to the real estate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I would say if we play the example forward, what we want to do in the real estate company when we buy that piece of like we buy an office building. Let's right. just put some let's put some sure, substance yeah. to it. We're gonna go buy an office building over here. Well, what we want to do in that building, because because absent what I'm about to tell you, the real estate entity really wouldn't make or lose much money. You'd pay it a you'd pay it a market rate rent, you'd have your related expenses. This company would probably be like a break-even. But what if we could look inside that building purchase? and compartmentalize certain things and depreciate them faster. So most people, I would imagine you've heard of a cost segregation study. Yeah, I've heard okay. of it. Right. So a cost segregation study is basically this. When you know, when you buy a piece of real estate, like with improvements on it, so a building, 
you, if you don't do anything, so you can't depreciate the component that is land, but the building component on a commercial building, you depreciate it over 39 years. So if you think about okay. if you think about the math of that, a million dollar building, let's just say thirty nine, rounded up to forty, it's only twenty five thousand dollars of depreciation per year. Right now, you could argue the property is really not depreciating; it's appreciating, but that's a different debate. So twenty five grand a year is what you could take, but there's a provision that says, well, but what if some of that real estate we could say is not like structural, but it's more in the it's more in the realm of like furniture, fixtures, flooring. There's okay. there's provisions that allow you to depreciate things faster. And that's where a cost segregation study is. It's exactly what they do. They segregate costs. They come in and say, it's engineers. You'd probably love this stuff. I might have to look into <laughs> you it. Might, you might be doing this, sir. I don't know. Maybe we need to talk at I don't know, right. Yeah. You might have another. This is hot right now, so you might, they might be on to something. So what you do is you get an engineer, and he comes in and says, well, our study says that of the million dollars, you know, 300000 is this type of property. It's it's property that could be depreciated over five years or seven years or 15. So even like infrastructure, like HVAC and stuff, do you know it's not going to last the whole length of the building? Is yeah. that kind of stuff? Is that part of HVAC, it I think, is considered part of the structural. Okay. But but I, I always think about it like floor, fixtures. Right. The uh, stuff you see in touch. Uh, kind of land improvements. So uh, okay. like concrete, um, landscaping. Like there's a lot of stuff. But it all, a lot of times it ends up being 20 to 30% of your purchase price. Okay. And so what happens is... Is then through what's called bonus depreciation, those things that are considered five, seven, and fifteen year property, you can write them all off in the first year. Okay, so that can be huge then because yeah. it kind of gets front loaded. Yeah, so you we, can get some of that. Does I, not to cut you off? No, but, it's good because the example that we're kind of talking about is let's just say that we pay ten thousand dollars a month in rent, right? So you can. You know, the questions that we have, do we buy a building where we have that money that we're already earmarking to spend? Right. But then now we have to worry about our upkeep of our building and all that. But if there's some of these other advantages and stuff, too, then yeah, that's not something we've been considering. Yet. Yeah. And, and really, a cost segregation is a, is a time value of money play. That's what it is. Because it's not like you're getting more depreciation over the life. Right. You're just getting it way accelerated. So, but... You're also doing it in a year in which you have a big amount of income. Yeah. And that's the that's the real reason I say this structure, especially with an operating company and somebody who wants to own or occupy real estate, again, with both entities under the same ownership, which is key. That's one of the kind of the provisions that allows you to group them. Um, but that essentially is all you're doing is you're front loading. And in the tax world, a lot of times that's, that's as good or better than other tax strategies because right. – if you think about it, a tax deduction dollar is only as good as the tax it saves. Right. Perfect example is add another client. He's investing in oil and gas wells. With oil and gas, when you drill a well, there's costs that that what are called intangible drilling costs, where you can then say then there's tax elections for that. You can either deduct them all or capitalize them. Well, this client he had a down year in all of his businesses. I said, hey, why would we deduct these now? They're only going to save you like ten percent. Your tax, you're in such a low tax bracket that the deduction is not worth much. Let's capitalize. So he's the exact opposite. I want to send his de- his deductions out into the future because I know he's going to be making more, and he'll be in the 22, 24, 32, 35 percent brackets where that deduction saves him way more money. Yeah. Now, admittedly, on that, there's a time value of money too, but I'd be willing to take my chances on a little lost time value money. On a 10% deduction versus a 
Okay. On this, you're the exact opposite. You're also you're getting a time value of money, and you're saying, but this year is probably a really good year, maybe relative to others. Right. So now's the the best year to do it. Well, I guess going back to your example, um, can I did I just start a clock? Meaning that if I get this bonus depreciation and everything else, and with five or ten or fifteen years, does that mean that it for it's set for that next five or ten years, or can I also pause it or delay those kind of, uh, I guess, like you're saying, tax savings to another year? Yeah. So when you so when you segregate the property into the five, seven, and fifteen year property, and then the remainder is the structural that's over right. thirty nine years, you're going to take. Fast, you're gonna, you're gonna. Well, now the 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 rule is eighty. You can deduct eighty percent of that in the first year. But of the, the re- bonus, yeah. So the bonus depreciation rate is eighty percent. So okay. in twenty twenty two, it was a hundred. It was the last year of a hundred. I got you. It's going down twenty percent a year. At least that's what Current. the law says right now. So in twenty twenty three, it's eighty percent. Twenty twenty four, sixty, and so you know, so on. So on that, let's just let's put some numbers to it. Let's just say you bought a million dollar building. Um, and forget the component of it that's land. Let's just assume that what you can depreciate is a million dollars. Maybe the building's one 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 five, and you determine the land's worth one hundred fifty grand. So you're sitting there with a million dollars to depreciate, and then a cost segregation engineer comes and says, "Well, we've found three hundred thousand dollars of items that could be accelerated." Okay. okay. So in that example, you're going to get to write off two hundred forty grand, the three hundred thousand. Times eighty percent. Now the balance that's sixty grand is divided up amongst five, seven, and fifteen year property. It's now subject to being depreciated over five, seven, and fifteen years. Okay. So you you're you're stuck with that. So it does start that clock. It starts that clock, and now that you know that that you know light fixture that was right. a five year property, you deducted eighty percent of it. The remaining twenty is depreciated over five years. Okay. What if I guess five years into it, I do some other building renovations or something. Does that change anything on like cost segregation? Yeah. So what you could do right now would have us called qualified improvement property. Okay. I cannot remember if that's going away. Like that was a lot of this stuff came up in the tax cuts and jobs acts, like the, the Trump tax cuts essentially. Yeah. Um and they had this category of property that says if you if you um improve a commercial space, then it's a 15-year asset, but you can write it off fast. Okay. Um, so, yes, as it stands now, if in a couple of years you do some major renovations, some real – and it's and there's some real arcane rules. Like it can't enlarge it. It can't be for an elevator. It's like I forget the exact requirements, but suffice to say, yeah, three, four years you're like, okay, that building we bought, we want to remodel one floor of it. Yeah. That would qualify for this subject to whatever the bonus depreciation rate is at that time. Okay. So if in three years, it might be 40%. Right. But it would still follow this so same thing. You can lot. still kind of get the yeah. same thing. And you'd already have the cost of what it's there because you yeah. just paid for it. That's right. right. Yeah. Easy. It's an easy cost segregation yeah. at that point because you're telling the engineer, this is what I paid to improve the property. Gotcha. Now they may have some allocation to say some of what you did improved the structure, maybe. But I would say in that example, most of it would be considered like kind of tangible stuff. Okay. Um, does that matter at what time of the year you do it? Like, is it something you, if, if let's say we bought a building December 1st, yeah, you know what I mean? So yep. it's month into the end of the year. Does that change anything? No. So you still get the bonus depreciation for the entire year. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. One thing, well, let me back up. That's not a hundred percent true. 
one thing that could change is, and I'm trying not to get too much in the weeds on this. Sure, there's a way to there's a way that the remainder of what you couldn't take bonus depreciation on gets depreciated. So okay. that remainder wouldn't be you, the, the 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 December date would factor in, but okay. only on the remainder portion. Okay. So if you bought in January versus you bought in December, yes, there's a difference, but only on the portion that you didn't get accelerated. Okay. Which which is going to be thirty eight. Which doesn't matter. Thirty eight some years yeah, or whatever. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So I guess the other thing I was thinking of too as well is what if. Three years from now, you know, we've accelerated this. It worked out great, but maybe we have a down year. Yeah. So, and I can't claim, like, I'm not able to utilize, I guess, all of the depreciation. What happened? Does it kind of wait for you or something too, or do you? Yeah. So, so this is, so let me kind of. If I'm asking that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Let me walk you through the example from the first year. I think it'll make, make sense. So the reason, and I'll kind of come back to where we started, real estate in the tax code is what's called inherently passive. Okay. So what that means is if you create a real estate loss and you and you make over $150,000 like you're just a gross income, you can't deduct real estate losses. Right. Okay. So we're circumventing that rule by doing what's called a grouping election. Okay. So and there's there's another kind of rule. When you when you rent from yourself, which is what this would be called, what's called a self-rental. Normally a self-rental is it's funny how it works. If the if the real estate LLC rents to your operating company and it makes a profit, that's considered ordinary. It's active income. Okay. If it loses money, it's passive. Okay. Okay. That's the normal treatment. So there's all kind of rules. When you group the two, you you basically discard that treatment and you say, now the real estate, no matter if it makes money or loses money, is active and which the whole point. Because if you do a cost seg and create a big loss over here, it can offset the income from my active business so, and my W-2 income. Gotcha. Okay. So in the future, if it's still losing money on paper, just because for whatever reason, because of that treatment, you're still able to deduct those losses. Oh, yeah. So it's just like your normal, ordinary. Correct. It's, it's really like one of those places in the tax code where it's like, because real estate trips people up. Yeah. Especially high income earners. When let me back up. When they're doing it for a tax motive, they're like, "I'm gonna buy this real estate because it's gonna all. I killed it this year in my business." Right. But it's like, yeah, but it won't because it's passive. Right. Your income over here is not passive. Well, what if I could take my real estate losses, make them non-passive? Oh, and then what if I could then make them bigger losses? Cost segregation, grouping, rent to myself, like kind of starts to check all the boxes. Yeah. Um. One thing I would say is, and you're probably thinking this is down the road though, it causes an issue is that you got to keep this property now. Right. Because if you sell it, you got to give, you familiar with depreciation recapture? Correct. And I guess I've heard of 1031 exchanges on a personal level. Is that something you, you can could. do on, a, on yeah. a business level too? Yeah. So if you basically took that million dollar property and we've, de- let's just say we've depreciated it down the 600 grand. Right. And we go to sell it for a million and a half. Well, we don't have a $500,000 gain. We have a $900,000 gain. Right. Because the way to think about depreciation recapture and most trips most people up is that basically what you're saying is the property didn't economically depreciate. In fact, it appreciated. Right. So you shouldn't get the benefit of writing off a portion of the property and then paying no tax when you sell it. Correct. So that's kind of the thinking there. So um, this, and you could absolutely do a 1031 on that. So on the back end, you could be like, perfect example, you buy a building, you grow out of it. Right. 
Well, what happens is on the back end is that you then sell that thing and then you got to go buy. A 1031 is essentially you buy another property at or greater than what you just sold and you can defer the gain. Okay. So the gain that you would have, and there's there's other criteria too when you have done a cost segregation study. Right. Like, but suffice to say, you got to buy something for at least as much as what you sold for. And then the gain that you would have recognized just gets rolled into the new one subject such that the new one has a lower basis. Okay. I guess, could you can theoretically buy another building and keep that one, same ownership and everything else, but you're renting it out and not renting it to your company? Does that throw a kink in things too? Well, if that, you, did I ask that correctly? No, that's good. Because I'm, uh, it's funny, I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. So it's like, okay, I got my operating company, yeah, we bought we, one. We grew out of it, like so, you, the yeah. scenario you said. Yep. And so I'm saying, well, I'm going to buy another one. But I really like the way that this was working. I'm going to start renting it out to another, you know, startup company or something of that yeah. nature, and then have another building that we've moved my operating yeah. company to. I think what and see, this is why I'm glad we're doing this because it's going to make me kind of think on the fly. I think what I would tell you is the old building now is not. I think we could. We'd have to think about the grouping there. Would the old one? The would we have to change the grouping and no longer be subject to this kind of regime we have? But we'd bring in a new one. So the old one would now be passive. It's, I'm thinking it through. I understand. Old one now reverts back to the old real estate rules. Right. I think we'd have to, I'd have to think about how we, if we'd undo the group. But the new one, we'd do the exact same thing. Okay. Well, then along those same lines, what if it was two different type of real estates? And the, I guess the question that I'm having for this example is, so we talked about the building that we're operating again, but then we also, in my business, we have some people that are remote. And so um, I paid to bring them in town and, and I put them up in a hotel. Yeah. So there's a certain amount of that cost that I'm looking at is, can I buy a like a townhouse or something mm -hmm. and do the same thing? Yeah. I'm using it. Both of them are for company business. Right. Um, are you limited on the amount if they're all, can you group all three of them together? Possibly? Yeah, you can. Because what, what basically what you're saying, the rules basically say, do these entities or let me back up. The, the term is activities. Do these activities form and what's called a uh, appropriate economic unit. Okay. And you could argue they do. And they, they, they do. Don't. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're real estate activities feeding the operating company's operations. Right. So absolutely. I mean, if I hadn't even looked into that, but. If you were, if we were doing this, I would say, yeah, because they form an economic unit. You're renting an apartment absent this. Right. All you've now moved, all you've now changed is that you moved apartment rent to a townhouse ownership Correct. or whatever, a condo or something or a single family. But yeah, do the same thing. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that one though. But it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is an, it is an economic unit. Again, kind of checking those boxes of we still, and let's just say you maybe you bought it in the same LLC, or if you didn't, if you bought it in another one, you would want that ownership. Because that's one of the criteria is that they form an economic unit, the same ownership structure on both sides. And there's a term called they're not, they're, they're insubstantial to one another. And you could argue my operating company, my real estate that rents to it is insubstantial compared to one another. And they, honestly, I don't think the tax code even really defines that term. Okay. Um, but that's how I would do it. I would have never even thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah. Is and, and I don't want to change the subject too much, but is is that kind of how owned autos play into it too, or is that just completely different? Like are those and we don't have to Yeah, no, no. Just kind so of a quick if I question, could, uh, I autos, the, the the difference would be is you would probably have them in your operating company. Yeah. 
And so they wouldn't even be subject. There's no limitations. There's no, yeah. There's no other than advantage. basis and different stuff like that. Okay. Um, you wouldn't have this passive, non-passive distinction. And yeah. that's really what you're getting around when you do the self-rental yeah. and then you group them. Is you're saying, I'm getting around all those rules that say, if I create a loss in real estate, I can't deduct it. That's that's because the holy grail is you buy a property on the last day of the year you hadn't even made a mortgage payment yet. Agreed. And you move in, let's just say, and then you got to you know you got to place it in service, which means you got to occupy. Yeah. You move in on the last day of the year you haven't even paid the mortgage yet, and you get a three hundred thousand dollar deduction. That's awesome. That is great because you haven't even spent any money yet. Yeah. I mean, you leveraged it like it's it's the total like power move on that example. Like this, is what everybody when they hear like on the TikTok schemes and they're like, all my clients are always texting me stuff like, can I do this? It's like. No, you can't put your house in a trust. Like, you know, like they're always asking me all these, yeah. like, can I do this and that? It's like, but this is legit. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess one final question on that. Do you know, um, what if what if I buy a big, let's say I buy a bit, uh, bigger building, mm-hmm. right? And I can't quite fill it up. Does, can I sublet it out to mm-hmm. another company? Yeah. That would still be kind of considered grouping. It yeah. shouldn't be. Okay. Yeah. In fact, that's what I'm doing. So I'm under contract on a building and we're going to occupy 60% of it. Nice. But it's still, in my eyes, an economic unit with my operating company. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm working in it. This would feed. Cl- I mean, I, I, I may have even really thought twice about it, honestly. I'm going to do, I'm doing this strategy on the building I'm buying. I'm form, I'm, I'm grouping them. I'm doing a cost segregation study. Like I'm, I'm, you know, kind of practicing what I preach. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to have more questions in the future, <laughs> but it's just, this is great. We'll have to bring you back on it. We'll have to bring you back for part two. Hey. No, but this is good. This is what yeah. I was saying, like, because I'm not thinking through, or at least I can't anticipate every, like, kind of, I would say, um, like, practical question. Right. Because for me, and CPAs, and people, anybody doing technical stuff, you're, you're, you're working off of a bunch of assumptions. Like, I'm, I'm on the... Step 10, and you're like, well, thinking about this, this, and this, I, it makes me bring back and, and think about those things such that I can explain it right. in a way that makes sense to people, you know? So, no, this is good. I appreciate it. All right, it. so you're going to come back for a second? Yeah. All right. If cool. you'll have me back. <laughs> yeah. We'll have you talk about, uh, after you do this strategy. We'll sure. You, no, we'll, that'd be great. We'll have a little follow-up, you know? <laughs> yeah, how's it going? So, sure. um, brothers, appreciate you coming. Hey, and, thanks uh, for having me. What do we normally say, Tyler, if you can find, you want to find more episodes if you want to hear more about what we're doing, go to Mir.group. It's got all the podcast episodes. Yep. Uh, if you want to find me, best places LinkedIn, Marcus Mir, M-I-R-E. And we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me.